Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Hour number two of the show, live from the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. It is a Big Red Monday here with Wolf and Luke, and we're going to have Cliff Kingsbury join us in the final hour of the show, as he does every Big Red Monday. I'm guessing 1.30 is what it sounds like, Wolf. So we will have Cliff on as we do each and every week to go over uh, everything that happened in the game yesterday and uh, what they're thinking going forward, but I'm sure a big chunk of the conversation is going to be those final couple minutes. And obviously we've talked Talked about it a little bit already today with uh, with Bickley and Murata in the morning, uh, and then you and I talked about it a little bit uh, as well. But we're going to get deeper into it here because that ultimately decided this game. And I'm going to fast forward through the the first part of it right to the kick at the end because I want to play this clip by uh, by Justin Pugh. And if you don't know who Matt Amendola is, Matt Amendola was Kansas City's backup when Harrison Butker went down. Butker got hurt against the Cardinals. Yeah. Amendola came in. Amendola did not have a very good run with the uh, the Chiefs. And in fact, he had a very bad game in their loss to the Colts. Ended up uh, getting let go. That's why he was out there. The Cardinals picked him up last week. He had to kick. Matt Prater was hurt yesterday. And, uh, and Amendola... On the TV broadcast, the montage they showed of him just not getting anywhere near making a kick in pregame warm-ups. That was what they showed right before he actually kicked the field goal, and that missed as well. Justin Pugh, after the game with reporters gathered to talk to Matt Amendola, said this. Hey, guys, it's not one guy. I missed a block. We missed touchdowns. We should have had the ball and been able to score. It's not on one guy. Everyone's waiting around for one guy to come back here. That's ain't right. It's not right. All right? It's not on one what do you think of that? Um, I love Justin Pugh. Yeah, for the most part, um, that is leadership right there, honestly, and it's caring as well. Not caring about Matt Amendola, it's caring about losing the game. And he was upset. He was angry. And you know what? That I'm hoping. Even though you're a pro, base earnings, even though you know, oh my goodness, this is my profession. You pay me to do this. This is how I support my family. At some point in time, it's got to mean more. It does. It's got to mean more than just your job. In fact, the best players, it, it, it does mean more to them. They take it personally. Somehow, some way, they take their job personally. Oh, you know what? That doesn't sound so dissimilar to you listening right now. You take your job and what you do personally, too, don't you? Yes. And that's why Justin Pugh just got PO'd. Because he takes his job personally. Yeah, that's. It's funny you say that because that's how I took it as well. And now I'm hearing more and more people, and maybe maybe these people are right, but more and more people taking it as Justin Pugh coming over that he was angry that reporters were waiting to talk to Matt Amendola. And my initial reaction was Justin Pugh almost trying to lead and send a message to the rest of his team through what he was saying. I, I just maybe it's because we've talked to Justin yeah. Pugh enough where I just I don't I can't imagine.
watching him coming out after the game be like, oh, it's the media's fault. They're going to pile on like that. Okay, no. That's the reporter's jobs are to be there. Yes. <laughs> There's a reason they need to talk to Matt Amendola. He's not the guy who lost them the game, but he's one of the guys who lost them the game. Yes. I thought it was cool that he came over and stood up for him. I felt like he was trying to send a message to the rest of his team of, hey, we're not going to scapegoat this guy who might not be on the roster in a week. Other guys got to still do ding, their ding, job. Ding. Now, maybe he could have done it differently, but I'm just saying I think that was his intention. No, I think you're right about that. I, I think, yeah, he wasn't just trying to defend Amendola, the kicker. He was not. He knew exactly what he was saying and why he was saying it so everyone else could hear him. Um, he was angry. And again, I, I don't know how you're not angry. If, if you are, if you are inside that locker room right now and you're two and three, I get it. You know what's amazing about this entire conversation that we're having right now that drives me crazy? I said before the season started, if somehow, some way the Arizona Cardinals could find a way to be three and three after the six game suspension to DeAndre Hopkins, I take that and run like a banshee. Did you hear me say that? I remember you saying Multiple that before the times. season started. Yes. Okay, I'd take that. And, and now, here it is. Hey, if they go up to Seattle and play well on the road, now I know Seattle, this is no gimme. This is no gimme. Seattle's going to come out and they're going to ball out. They're going to play. And it's going to be a tough physical game. And yeah, the Cardinals have experienced a lot of success up there in the Emerald City. Yet at the same time, this is going to be no gimme. But if they, they win that game, they're 3-3. Three and three. Why am I so put out? Right now, it's how they're getting there. It, it's it, how because if you, if you had if I had told you before the season, hey Wolf, they're going to be three and three, you'd have been like, okay, all things considered, no DeAndre oh Hopkins. I'm in. If I had then said, by the way, the Rams are starting two and three, and San Francisco's three and two, it's not. It, there's nobody in this division that's like five and zero oh right now. Uh, you would have taken it even more so. It's just it's how they're getting there. They are improving on the defensive side of the football, but the same issues they had on offense last year just don't. It, it's seems like the offense has been stuck since like early yes. December of 2021. Yes. And, and that's why I'm so frustrated as well, because that's the way that it feels instead of evolving, instead of the offense evolving. And again, when I say that, I don't mean evolving to 1982. Please hear me when I say that. OK, I'm not talking about evolving to suddenly an offense that Bruce Arians would love the bash and bomb. I'm not Be- he had a pretty good track record. Well, he did, of course. I'm talking about something that is a blend. I've been talking about it for three years. I'm talking about moving Kyler all over, under center, in the pistol, in the shotgun. Man, it was it was just so heavy shotgun yesterday, once again. And it, it was against a team that mirrors the Arizona Cardinals well, in their offense. You know what? And, and I'm sure we'll get into this more throughout the show, but we talked about about this last week, and especially after you really watch some tape on Philadelphia. Philadelphia is basically running the Cardinals' offense, but they're running it now like the Cardinals were running it last year when they started seven and zero and ten and two. Yeah, and I'm watching that game yesterday, and you know the the end of the, the stat. AJ Brown had three catches for 32 yards. The Eagles. It's not like they had they had a season low 357 yards. Like the Cardinals' defense played pretty well, <laughs> but but watching the two of them, that these two offenses that were basically it, the Eagles have been the 2021 Cardinals' offense the first half of the year. I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, what are they doing differently? They're basically running very similar offense. Why are they so successful? And I'm not saying this is only it, but Jalen Hurts 
was running the ball. And Kyler Murray, until the very end, wasn't running the ball. And when Kyler Murray had his first carry of the game, I'll throw the stat out there again, Jalen Hurts already had 10 for 49 yards and two touchdowns. I'm not saying Kyler has to run the ball 10 times. It is weird, though, that he only seems to run it at the very end of games. Because to me, that is what made this team so dangerous. And where I'm having a hard time today is they just feel like an 8-9 and nine or a 9-8 and eight team that's going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. And we just kind of know their ceiling because of what you are saying. They don't seem to be evolving offensively. Yeah, I, I just, again, I thought it was going to be something they would find themselves in the six games they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. I thought it was going to be a situation where they would. They, they would be forced to use a lot more 12 personnel. They would be forced to actually run the ball, whether it's from the shotgun, the pistol, I don't care, under center, blend it all. They were going to be forced to actually do more of that. It's one of the reasons why they kept four tight ends coming out of camp and five running backs is because they were going to run the ball more and they were going to do it often and they were going to do it in a vertical kind of way as opposed to a horizontal kind of way. I, I, I just feel like that has dissipated right now and it's not going to be that way going forward and that's one of my frustrations as well. We've been talking about this concept that when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, everything's going to change and they're going to be saved. And, you know, yeah, hopefully that happens. But how many weeks now in a row, Wolf, have we said, if that happens, that's great. But it's going to be kind of frustrating because you knew you weren't going to have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks of the season. One guy shouldn't mean that much if he's not, you know, Patrick Mahomes or he's not your starting quarterback. All right. Arizona goes primetime next week as the Suns tip off the NBA season against the Mavericks and the Cardinals take on the New Orleans Saints for Thursday Night Football. So we are giving you the chance to experience both in person. Text PRIMETIME to 620-620 and listen for your name starting next Monday for your chance to win two tickets to both games. Plus, one lucky winner each day is going to win their choice of a Devin Booker jersey or a DeAndre Hopkins jersey. So it's a pretty good reason to text PRIMETIME to 620-620. And when we come back, it's your turn. What is your biggest frustration surrounding the Cardinals after yesterday's loss? It's our listeners-only meeting at 602-260-9870. Again, that number to call is 602-260-9870. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Here we go! Quick! Yeah! Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Let's go! Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Right, we're live here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. Big Red Monday. Cliff Kingsbury is going to join us in about two hours and 12 minutes and two seconds. Uh, right around 1.30, okay, <laughs> approximately. Uh, 602-260-9870, the number to call in right now for a listeners-only meeting, Wolf. And let's start. Oh, i got to figure out where we're starting. Let's start in Phoenix with Paul. Paul, what's going on? Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I've never spoken with you guys. Uh, pleasure to talk to you. I have a couple couple questions, and whether you choose to answer them off the phone or answer them right on, on the phone. But um, if, and again, Wolf, I'm going to use one of your phrases because I love it. If Crazy Carl shows up in the first quarter of this Sunday's game against Seattle and we score a special teams, not a, not a pick six, a special teams touchdown, does that count as us scoring in the first quarter? No. 
It doesn't for me. It, do, it doesn't for me, my brother. It does not for me. I love it. Love yeah. it. Okay. So the other thing, and I'm going to close this, and, I'm, and, I'm, and this has irritated me all night long. I, I said some really bad words yesterday. I apologize, but I'm going to say it, and I, I hope Kyler gets a chance to hear this. Kyler, we expect you. It's not a matter of, well, he's still growing into his We expect you to know down and distance and end of game, or even in game, first, second, third quarter, but end of game strategies and the fact that when you need 10 yards, you have to dive for the for the line to gain. You have to do it. It's it's not even your your mindset should be you have to dive for it and get the first down for your team. Down and distance. And that to me is frustrating. Do not rely on the referees to say, well, it's marginal, you're nine and a half yards away, maybe we'll give No, you have to rely he we we have entrusted him too much in this team to let him off the hook on this one. And maybe he's feeling you know he's he's obviously feeling it but we have to we have to un, you know, make him feel this this is something that has to be corrected it's happened too many times whether it's a um yeah. Hey, what's what's the penalty when he's throwing a pass away? And I'm I'm just losing my thoughts here. I'm just I'm so frustrated. Intentional but grounding. I mean, intentional yeah. grounding. Thank you. And yeah. I he's got to understand those rules. Get out of the pocket. You're fast enough. Get out of the pocket and throw the ball out of bounds as far as you can throw it. Because you know what? It's not intentional grounding at that point. So somebody, please get in his ear, guys. I appreciate your show. Good luck to you. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Right, thank you, Paul. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. I don't want. I don't want this to come off as a total indictment of Kyler Murray because I'm not saying it that way. But it was tough to watch that game yesterday again with the similarities between the two offenses as you detailed last week, Wolf, and watch Jalen Hurts, who was drafted a year after Kyler Murray and 52 picks later, look. Like, he had everything under control the whole time. Now, we don't know. If the roles are flipped, maybe he ends up missing a first down by a yard. And he could mess that up. He's a young quarterback, too. But when you're talking about factors adding to the frustration, watching Jalen Hurts look like a better quarterback than Kyler Murray already, thats I didn't expect that to be the case a year ago. There's no way you could have told me Jalen Hurts is going to be better than Kyler Murray. And maybe he won't be. But right now, his team's 5-0, and and he looked better yesterday. Yeah, Kyler cannot make that mistake. He can't. He's got to know. Did you mark it? Was it a first down? Did you call it a first down? Did you look? Did you, did you mark it as a first down or not? He's got to know. And once again, this is a process. I know, Paul, you don't want to hear it's a learning process, but it is. This is where you need Larry Fitzgerald. I just feel like he calms everything down. He'll go get the oh, ball. He'll, he'll place it for you. He'll tell you. Okay. Uh, back out to the phones. Keith in Peoria. You are on the Wolf and Luke show. Hi, guys. How you doing? I'm, I'm a first-time caller. Thanks, Keith. Good to, good to talk to you. Yeah, um, you know, I grew up in St. Louis. I followed the Cardinals growing up, and then I moved to Arizona, and they came out here. Um, but, you know, I've been their biggest critic. Uh, I've ragged on them from, uh, for an awful long time. But I just have to say that, um, yeah, there, there's some improvement that's needed in the offense. And uh, whether Tyler Murray can deliver that at the end of the day the jury's still out but i gotta say against a five and oh team like the eagles i really didn't know that we'd even be in the game and i thought the cardinals played a pretty dang good game the defense was really solid i i, I thought particularly in the second half 
And so I guess I'm I'm not the pessimist that everybody else is. And I, I, I do they've had a lot of success in Seattle. I think if they can pick that one off in Seattle, the three and three get some people healthy. I mean we're really not in that bad of shape. So uh, I think maybe it was Wolf that mentioned it earlier. You know, we get that uh, win up in Seattle, it's three and three, and frankly, maybe we're in a position, better position, having grown through this than we're, we were even at seven and zero last year. So, um, you know, uh, let's. I, I think we need to still give them a little bit of a chance. I'll take your uh, comments off there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Keith. Appreciate it. Yeah, look, Wolf. Here's here. I will say this: if they go beat Seattle. And this offense just puts up 31 points or something. And they should be able to put points. Should. Doesn't mean they will. But they should be able to put up points on Seattle. Because Seattle's giving up points and scoring points. If they win this game this week and they win it with their offense, I think we're all going to feel a lot better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to feel a lot better. And they play well up in Seattle. We know that. But the problem is their offense really hasn't put together a game. It has not put together a complete game. Stop and think about that. Not even close. When has that happened? Not even close. The second half of the Raiders? The second half of the Carolina Panthers? Um, well, and if going back to Paul's question, if, if you don't count a special teams or a defensive touchdown as scoring in the first quarter, yeah. which, which I get it, because we're talking about the offense, then they didn't even score in the first quarter against Seattle all the way back in Week 18, which is the game I keep referencing, because that was Zach Allen scoring a touchdown. Yes. So the last time they scored in the first quarter of a game was even prior to that. We may be going back to actually the calendar year of 2021. So, yeah, it's the reason that it's hard to be optimistic right now is because of how the offense has looked. So back out to the phones, Eric in Glendale. Eric, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, first time caller, glad to talk to you. Uh, I just wanted to put a positive spin on it. Um, like Eno Benjamin, nobody's really speaking up too much. I've heard about Eno Benjamin, but nobody gave us a chance to even be in this game. And the, and the national media, not even Wolf, who's, who's very optimistic, gave us a chance in this game. We lost even more players than we already had down to begin with. But Eno Benjamin is just on fire. I mean, he hit, he hits the hole fast with a great burst. I hate the lateral, lateral passing game, but I mean, we threw a lateral pass to Eno, and he just took off and got eight yards out of it, where usually we end up losing yards. And not only that, but Marquise Brown, yards after catch, he just, they're starting to get some chemistry, and and Marquise Brown was just incredible. Once he caught that pass and went into the end zone, um, he could have easily just gone down as as slight as he is, but, you know, he just pushed himself and and scored on that. And I think those are some, some big things that are positive for the Cardinals and the defense. You know, they've been our strong point pretty much the whole season, except for the first game. Eric, I appreciate the call. Look, I will talk Eno with you for the next three hours if you want. Let's, uh, let's get one more in here, Wolf, because Larry and Prescott's been waiting. Uh, Larry, what's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing today? What's up, Larry? Uh, wanted to say it's a pleasure to hear from you or call in. And um, last night we saw Dennis the Barbarian do an outstanding imitation of Wolf. Wolf, did you happen to see that? I did not. Well, if you get a chance, uh, Dennis did an outstanding job there. Uh, let me talk about the football team. I'll, I'll go quickly, guys. Um, I, I think, uh, and Kyler's got quite a bit of talk today. And one of the things that, in my opinion only, uh, Kyler has never been um, held accountable for his actions. Um, and it shows where 
Kyler needs a strong coach, someone that will sit him down and hold him accountable, somebody that will say, hey, we're going to run this type of play, and that's the play we're going to run. If you go back to the first play ran of the year for the regular season, Kyler went up to the line and switched up the play that was already called. If you go back and look at that, he switched the play. Cliff spent six months figuring out the first play to run, and Kyler, knowing everything, had to switch it up. Need a strong coach to hold Kyler accountable so that, you know, we're, we're not afraid to run a quarterback sneak because, like we've heard, that's off the table. And that Kyler needs to be up under center so that Eno Benjamin can hit the line quick when it's only one yard to go instead of stumbling around and losing three, four yards that he did uh, yesterday. Uh, Until those things happen, I don't think we're going to see anything. Yesterday's game, if you listen to Kyler, he put the blame on somebody else, as he always did. What did he say in the news conference? He, He had it in his ear. Time, time, time. I got to go down. And that was his excuse for not getting that extra yard. That's what it is. Okay. One last thing I'll say about uh, Kyler, I I, I think you got to give him a chance still. Uh, They've uh, spent the money on him. I I think we've, we've seen Cliff in action. But there was a Hall of Fame quarterback that played for many years when I was a kid growing up. His name was Fran Tarkington. He was a smaller guy that scrambled a lot. But he would roll out, and they would do a lot of play-action rollout stuff with him, and it was very beneficial. I think uh, Mr. Tarkington went to the uh, Super Bowl, not winning, but I believe he went to the Super Bowl uh, at least three times, two or three times. Four times, yeah. Uh, Four times. Yeah. Uh, But that might be something that they really should look at with Kyler. Uh, and, and he needs to be held accountable. They need a strong coach. Yeah, Eric, thank, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, appreciate Larry. your phone call we right now. It, Let me just tell you right now that Cliff Kingsbury does talk to Kyler Murray and does hold Kyler Murray accountable. Uh, we'll get back into that, though, because Larry making some good points there. We're just up against the break. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, the Cardinals' defense continues to over-deliver, so just how long can they keep that up? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. All right, Wolf. Get to focus on a little bit of positive here because we're going to talk about the defense. Oh, the scrappy defense. And uh, and this, I know we had a, a couple callers last uh, segment bring up the defense. If you're looking for some silver lining, and I don't think it's a small silver lining. The defense has been pretty good now four straight weeks. They have allowed an average of 19.75 points per game over the last four games. And they have, in that stretch, yeah, okay, they played Carolina, but they've played the Rams, Raiders, and Eagles in that stretch. So it's not like they're playing the bottom uh, of the NFL. And I'll throw this stat at you, too. I'm, I'm setting quarterbacks aside here for a second, Wolf. I'm just looking at the top offensive weapon on each team they've played. Devontae Adams, two catches for 12 yards in Week 2. Cooper Cup, four for 44 in Week 3. Christian McCaffrey, 27 rushing yards in Week 4. A.J. Brown, three catches for 32 yards yesterday. Now, there's a couple touchdowns mixed in there. But I'm just saying general like yardage production for the other team's top offensive weapon over the last four weeks. If they go into a game, if Vance Joseph is saying we're not going to let this guy beat us, they have shut those guys down four straight weeks. 
Yeah, no, they've done a great job with that, Luke. That's good math by you right there. A nice little stat. It took from, me like you know, an hour to put that all seriously. together. Look, uh, the defense isn't perfect, but they continue to over-deliver, over I think, for the most part. And that, to me, it, it is very, very encouraging to see these young guys like Zayvon Collins getting better and Isaiah Simmons. They had 13 tackles. Now, look, a lot of the times, uh, maybe he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing, and they threw the ball and completed it, and he made a tackle on that. Okay, that's the thing you don't know. They know, the coaches know, but the fact he was all over the field, I thought was encouraging. Marco Wilson started off a little tough right there with A.J. Brown, and then all of a sudden, he got better as the game went along, and um, they've got young guy Zach Allen in his fourth year, who really is coming of age, and you could just see it. Their their defense has got some guys that are better. They're scrapping and they're playing really, really hard. But when they had to have it, and this is a theme right now that the Cardinals are carrying, when they've had to have it from the defense, the defense allowed them to go seventy yards and seventeen plays down the field and take almost eight minutes yeah. off the clock and kick the what would be game winning field goal. Can't can't just ignore that. You're right, because not only did the Eagles move down the field, they ate up basically half of the fourth quarter in the process. And at that point they were eating up almost all of the fourth quarter of what was left. Cardinals did stop them and hold them to a field goal. I'll give them that. And yeah. again, now overall that's that's twenty points against the Eagles, twenty points against the Rams, 23 against the Raiders, and most of those were in the first half, and 16 against Carolina, but some of that was a pick six. So I just, the defense has has played well enough the last four weeks to win four games. I guess the question now is how sustainable is what the defense is doing, because they are facing good opponents, but they were not quite frankly supposed to be this good <laughs> so have they just struck gold or what is, is this uh, is this something that you can't necessarily count on going yeah, forward I, you know that's that remains to be seen right there Luke whether or not you can count on them going forward but I I consider this to be what a silver lining this is the fact this defense is coming together and playing well and it's the reason why I get so angry <laughs> once again because I'm thinking Thinking of the offense. You're angry about the good things. I'm thinking about this defense is playing so much better than what I ever gave them a chance to play. So much better going out there and limiting the Rams to 20 points. Anytime you limit your your opponent to 20 points, you ought to win a football game based on audience. You ought to win that game. And they did it to the Rams, and they did it to the Eagles yesterday. Both of them over at State Farm Stadium. The fact that their surprise out of nowhere, yeah, that's cool. It's, it's encouraging to me. And yet it makes me think of the offense and how underperforming the offense is right now. And that's what gets me angry. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's what we need to be focusing on when we say this team can't win at home. It's really they can't get their offense going at home. I want to play at least one defensive clip. So real quick, here's Buda Baker evaluating how they handled Jalen Hurts. You know, we talked about, you know, QB contained because we knew uh, after, you know, first, second look, he was going to be scrambling. So uh, he did a really good job of scrambling early. And, uh, you know, we, we got we got better in the second half. All right, Wolf, I know you want to talk offense when we come back. 
Kyler Murray maybe didn't lose them the game yesterday. He's not really winning them games other than that Raiders game, though, either. Let's get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's drive. Let's drive. Let's drive. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Well, if we keep coming back to the same thing during the breaks, right? You look at the defense, and this defense so far set aside the Chiefs game. Week one, playing the Chiefs. Set it aside just for the purposes of this conversation. That is a, a group that you can, as a fan, rally around right now. There's so much was made coming into the season. Hey, they're not, they're not investing any resources in the defense. All the money's going to the offense. They're bringing this guy in there. They're trading for Hollywood Brown. They're paying Kyler Murray all this money. Cliff Kingsbury's an offensive mind. That's why he's the head coach. All this stuff. All the questions we had coming into the season, at least for me, were are they going to have a pass rush? Are they going to have enough depth in, in, in at corner? Are they going to be able to slow down some of these teams? They have slowed down every team they've played except the Chiefs. So it's easy to rally around that group, but it's not translating into wins because of offense. And specifically, as you said earlier, Kyler Murray's probably been their most consistent guy on offense. Yeah. He hasn't been bad. He hasn't been great other than the second half against the Raiders. But he's definitely getting the criticism now, and even coming into this game yesterday. And I wonder how much of that is because of what's happening on the field and how much of that is influenced by the fact he just got paid nearly a quarter of a billion dollars. <laughs> I think- I think a lot of it has to do with that right there. See, the I don't, fact that he got paid. I don't care about the money yet because it shouldn't be impacting the team. It's going to kick in against the salary cap here in about a year and a half, though, yeah. and then I care. I just more care that you invested a lot in him, and at, at a certain point you want him to be winning you games. Yeah, I'm not willing to say that what I'm about to point out, Basinonians, is rock-solid fact. I'm just It's starting to form inside my brain right now, watching five games. I think defenses are taking more chances early in games, trying to confuse Kyler Murray and the protection schemes, I think, a little bit for the Arizona Cardinals, but when it, when a team gets up on Kyler and company, they play a lot of zone out of that cover two shell, and I think they want to force Kyler Murray and the offense to prove they can run the ball and dink and dunk their way down the field without self-destructing once they get that lead. So I think they're coming out almost with a reverse psychology, coming out and trying to attack Kyler Murray with different looks and confuse him early on. And then once they get a lead in a game, go ahead and say, hey, listen, you know, we're going to we're going to force you to run the ball. We're going to put two safeties high. We're not going to walk a safety down into a box. We're going to play a lot of zone and we're going to force you to move the ball down the field. Show us you can run the ball and show us you can dink and dunk the ball down the field because we don't think you can and score enough points against us doing it that way. It's the big play mentality and trying to eliminate the big play mentality. And I think defenses are trying to do that early on. That's concerning because it sounds like teams are starting to figure out a formula to stop this offense. Now, just saying that doesn't make it true. But look at the last, look at every game this season and look at the way last season, the second half played out. The biggest, most consistent issue other than, other than, hey, they can't win at home. I get that. But 
the most consistent, like, hey, this is something you should be able to fix issue has been the offense really hasn't gotten going in a long time, Wolf. Like, we are going back into last season. Now, said this earlier, and I do think it is substantive enough to point out, the offense is fighting back late in these games, whereas in the second half of last season, it was like, oh, things aren't going well for the offense. Just see you next week. See, that's important. You have to say that. It is important. And yet it makes me angry (laughs) when you say it, because you're right. This should be something that, man, this should be a feather in the cap of the Arizona Cardinals base and audience. Three times now, Kyler Murray, three times in five games, has brought his team back two times to win games in the second half. And he did it again. And he brought him back in the second half. He and a lot of other guys going out and making plays offensively and defensively. And in transition, brought him back, tied the game up. 17-17. Had a chance to tie it up and go into overtime. Again, he brought the team back for a third time. And none of it matters. Because it wasn't able to be completed. You didn't get the job done. And um, that should be a silver, that, that should be something you could cling to and say, wow, if they were 3-2 and two this morning, if they were 3-2 and two based on audience this morning right now, everyone would be pointing to the fact, this is this is kind of like the cardiac cards here coming back yeah, in the Yeah, then they would just half. be an exciting, like, we don't know what oh, to think of this team, oh but they goodness. keep coming back. They yeah. keep coming back. Listen, we haven't seen a lot of comebacks with Kyler Murray as the quarterback in the first three years. No, and this that's, is his fourth year. We haven't seen a lot of that. That's the sort of team you're so right. If they win this game yesterday, you have a team that's defense is overperforming. Correct. They're just going out there and grinding it out every week. And you have an offense that while it's not it's, it's not, not clicking. stable, it's it's so exciting and winning games in the second half. That's the sort of team a fan base can get behind. Right. When you invest a bunch of money and resources in the offense and the offense can't move the ball, that just that's that's rough. That's difficult for a fan base. It and that's is. why I'm so angry today. I'm frustrated. What did you Larry brought this up. I think it was Larry, one of our last callers uh, a couple segments ago, brought up the the Kyler Murray quote after because I, I, I do think Kyler's taking more responsibility on himself yeah. in these games. And even after he missed Zach Ertz uh, on that last drive, and he had Zach Ertz wide open on that last drive, yes. he did point to his chest like when they you see the replay. I mean so it feels like he's not showing up his teammates like he maybe did in the past, or even if it wasn't intentional in the past. He just seems more aware of his body language a little bit and taking more responsibility. He did say, and we had the comment earlier, he did say something about kind of how everybody was in his ear telling him to spike the ball. I, I don't know. I mean... I get it. His track record in the past has kind of been, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push the blame off on somebody else, whether it's intentional or not. So I understand why you might hear it that way. When I heard him say that yesterday, I just kind of heard that as him explaining the, the chaos in the moment. Because we are talking about seconds at the end of this game. Yeah. No, there's, there's no doubt. Um, you know, they could not complete the deal. But um, Kyler was right in the middle of the slow start as well. Yeah. I think that's important. And it was a bad interception. Out. This week too, and it was. It was he underthrew what Hollywood Brown had a step on coverage, and that safety was underneath that coverage. You got over the top on that post, and you know Kyler, I'm sure would tell you that that is my bad. I should have aired it out. That's Hollywood Brown. Let him go get that ball, man, and don't underthrow that ball because Kyler's got the arm strength to do it. 
He was right in the middle of them starting slowly as well. And this is something that he's got to recognize, and it's something he's got to own. Yeah, and and the the... Because that's how you fix it. The discussion of him not running at certain points of the game is it's a touchy subject. I know people go both ways on this. And and like you have said in the past, if he runs the ball in the first quarter yesterday and gets hurt, what are we talking about for the rest of the season as far as a, a chance to make the playoffs? I don't think they have found the balance yet, though, because it does feel like early in games, teams are like, he's not going to run. And we, let's let's just go ahead and do it. At the end of the game, teams don't know how to stop him. <laughs> Apparently a half a yard short. But, but for the most part, teams can't stop him. But early in the game, it does feel like they almost don't view him as a threat. I just keep coming back to this, Wolf. This team last year when they were 7-0 and and when they were 10-2, and and even when they started losing games, I still viewed them as a dangerous team And when they got to the playoffs. That obviously didn't work against the Rams. Yeah. But they always had that danger factor of like, if Kyler wants to just take off and start running, teams can't stop him. They can't. This year, it just feels like there's a ceiling. I don't think they're as bad as a lot of people are panicking and saying, oh, Cliff needs to be fired. They're going to win four games this year. I hope they're not that bad. I think they're just going to be right around 500. And I just, it, but what worries me is it feels like that's the ceiling and the floor. And that's not what everybody signed up for. Yeah. You know, once again, I looked at the first six games of the season and I thought, okay, maybe two and four, three and three. I was thinking three and three without D Hop, man, based on what we saw the year before with DeAndre Hopkins and without DeAndre Hopkins and how we struggled with that. So I was thinking, man, if they could just be three and three. And now all of a sudden, here they are. And yet, the offense didn't evolve the way that I thought it was going to. I, it really has not. I, I thought they were going to have to find a different way to move the ball without D-Hop. And that way was going to include a lot of 12 personnel and putting Kyler Murray under center and doing it more. Not 40 times a game, but doing it more. You know, 18 snaps maybe a game, 20 if you got a little cool. Maybe you were doing that. I thought they were going to develop that part of it, and it just hasn't evolved the way that I thought. So now you've got D-Hop getting ready to come back after one more game, and yet um, I don't know if the Arizona Cardinals can be whatever they need to be to beat their opponent because they don't put them under center. They can't smash the ball in between the tackles and do it out of 12 personnel if they want to do that. Let James Conner attack the line of scrimmage or Daryl Williams attack the line of scrimmage and run north and south. They they don't... Wolf's Playbook for Dummies. 12 personnel. One back, two tight ends, and two wide receivers. The book closing, even on a day like today, makes me laugh. I could just hear that book close, and it would make me laugh. Look, if they get to three and three next week. You are very much right back in this. There's a the Rams don't look right. The Seahawks look better than they should, but they're not. They shouldn't be a playoff team. San Francisco, uh, as we both said last week, seems like the best team in the division. You know the the stretch at the end of the season, or the second half, I should say, that we all looked at at the start of the year, where they go Rams, Niners, Chargers, bye week, Patriots, Broncos, Buccaneers, is still going to be tough. But Denver's a mess, and New England. You never know. I mean, I'm just saying things change in the NFL. It's oh, not like yeah. that's six losses totally. right there. You got to get to three and three, though. But your point is well taken. If if you're not going to find your offensive identity, 
your ceiling is just above average, I would say. All right, when we come back, uh, we will take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.